Hello, my name is Johnny. Hello. My name is Bridget. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you need to recharge now? <laughs> well, I started to say I'm, and I'm like, no, I need to say my name is. Yeah. And I always didn't know what to say at the beginning. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bridget. And, and we've, we've never, never seen, seen War Games. games. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It, the show where we show somebody, anybody, sometimes multiple people, a film they've never seen before, but they absolutely should have. As you heard up top, I am joined once again, and as almost all of the time, uh, by Johnny and Bridget, who have both never seen 1983's War Games. Welcome to the both of you. Thank Hello. you. Now, Johnny, this was something that you put on a list because you're feeling uh, an 80s sci-fi mood. Is that correct? I was. Okay. It, was there anything that you watched that like started this kick, or were you just like, you know what, I want to watch some some stuff from the eighties that I, thinks it's from the future? I watched something recently that I had not seen from the eighties, a movie called Strange Brew. Okay. Which was with Rick Moranis and another Canadian actor, and super cute, super funny, loved it, adored it, and I was kind of on an eighties high from there. I was like, what other eighties gems can I find? The list that I sent you had a bunch of. Uh, ones on it that I think a lot of people have seen, like Reanimator and Tron and other ones, but War Games was one that I've heard tossed around for some time and almost know nothing about it other than the main actor. Is that uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie? Is that Strange Brew? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've seen like skits of theirs from like, um, what is it, SCTV? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like whatever else they did as part of like that group, but I've never seen them. It's like the Canadian Wayne's world. It's great. Nice. I would love to bring it to the show sometime. All yeah. Right. I've never seen it, but I've I do know it. of Bob and Doug McKenzie. I don't remember yeah. the other, uh, the other actor's name. I just remembered the characters. The whole movie is a Looney Tune. It's great. Nice. All right. We'll keep that in the back burner. Yeah. For when winter comes around so we can feel extra Canadian. Correct. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. You mentioned some of the other ones. I do think we should do Tron at some point on this yeah, show. Absolutely, I very yeah. much enjoyed the movie Tron. Uh, as well as its follow-up, but we'll save that for uh, another episode. But we're here to talk about war games. So uh, before we get to that, though, let's stay on the 80s sci-fi track. What are some of the other films in this kind of area that you guys particularly enjoy? Um, I mean, I think the obvious ones, like The Thing, Aliens. I think Close Encounters is late 70s, so I'm not going to say that. Obviously, the Star Wars movies, Mm -hmm. E.T. I mean, there's just a whole bunch... Of fun movies that go from like horror, like The Thing, to like Q, like E. T. But yeah, I don't know. I I I had to think of more. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing an ass ton, but oh, those what? are the ones that immediately come to mind. Yeah, it's like the Stephen King heyday too. Right. In terms of maybe less so in terms of movie adaptations, but certainly in terms of books. Mm. Uh, maybe it's the Stranger Things effect, but that decade feels sort of saturated in science fiction fantasy yeah i mean dune is a 1980s oh okay dune how how dare us forget Uh, yeah (laughs) point this out uh last starfighter i think might have been on that list like you said flash gordon uh short circuit oh Oh, yeah yeah. mac and me terminator 
Mac and me. <laughs> Starman. <laughs> yeah. Weird Science. The Abyss. Oh, The Abyss is great. Uh, I mean, you can't mention 80s sci-fi without uh, mentioning 1984. <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? Yep. Many people are one to do the Back to the Futures. Mm-hmm. 80s the science the fiction. Futures. Probably the, the pinnacle, at least for me, I think. Yeah. If I count Star Wars as a 70s thing. Sure. Even though two of them are in the 80s. Yeah, two of them right. are. Um, Back to the Future is probably the, the pinnacle for me. What about you, Bridget? What are some of your your favorites in this space? E.T., Star Wars. I like the lighter, softer side just because that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, it dips its toe in it. Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Basically everything John Carpenter did. Yeah. You could, I suppose you could say uh, the Indiana Joneses a little bit. A little bit. Because they are, they flirt with the supernatural a little bit. Yeah. I would never, I would never, like, in my own head put that in a category. No, I wouldn't either, but I'm kind of stretching a little bit there. But I'm, like, kind of, like, trying to reach for things that I've really enjoyed in the 80s that touch on sort of more... Weird, if you will. Yeah, no, I'm I'm saying like you're right. I just would like never think about it that way. But when you sit down, you're like, oh yeah, he's getting mystical artifacts, and I guess there's some pseudoscience. It's more, I guess, like magic than it is science based. Mm -hmm. But some people's interpretation of magic is just science that you don't understand or whatever. Sure, yeah, you know that works out. Uh, Some other good ones here, just from googling it. I like the movie Inner Space. I don't know if I've seen that one. That one's a pretty good one. It's Dennis Quaid and Martin Short, where it's uh, someone gets shrunk down to a tiny microscopic size and goes in, like Martin Short, or Dennis Quaid goes into Martin Short. It's quite funny, uh, quite good. I think Meg Ryan's in it. Is that like Osmosis Jones? I've never seen Osmosis Jones. Oh, okay. It's like, it's it's Magic School Bus, it's whatever, but it's got the same kind of 80s sci-fi military industrial complex kind Mm. of situation right so that i think is very uh, akin to this movie uh, that we're about to watch today so that's another good one that i really enjoy i don't know if we said this as we were rattling off but we watched robocop on the show oh of course oh, robocop yeah. is a you know standard bear for for 80s sci-fi total recall some other good ones running on man is that 80s or is that 70s i think it's 80s i think it's okay. like 80 81 or whatever yeah okay. don't remember because we did that one here predator is one predator. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is on this list. That came out in 89, so technically... Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's like 90, but if it's snuck in... Yeah, just snuck in Under the Wire as a as an 89 movie. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... They really went out of their way to like make some pretty good sci-fi movies in right. the 80s. Like, that seems like that was the predominant genre mm. of the time. And that's, I think, a lot to do with Star Wars. <laughs> sure. Where they just went, okay, what can we set in space or with lasers or computers or robots or whatever like what is an element of star wars and how can we make a whole movie out of it (laughs) yeah so we'll pivot to this movie then a little bit taking some of what we know that you guys enjoy what do we know about this movie and we'll we'll kind of get into expectations for for war games i know ferris bueller's in it okay Bridget, you know that as well i do know that matthew Matthew project will give him the respect he's got a name yep he has done other things other things Mm -hmm. which i'm like hard like i don't no, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I mean, Ferris Bueller is the, that's the top. Like, that's his number one I saw him role. in, like, that shitty Godzilla remake. Yeah, he was in Godzilla in 98. Yeah. Done a lot of Broadway stuff. That's yes. right. Married big, to Sarah Jessica Parker. Big song and dance man now. Um, he was in the remake of The Producers. 
Yes. Nathan Lane. Both on Broadway and in the movie movie. version of the Mm. Broadway version of the old movie. (laughs) Uh, He was in the movie Glory. You ever see the movie Glory, the Civil War? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, I watched that you in school. You were out sick the day they showed that. Oh, okay, yeah, history. Cool. yeah, I was. Because <laughs> I definitely watched that in school, and it's one of those movies where it's like, this is probably better than it would be because I'm not doing work right now. <laughs> I was probably skipping Bridget, but... Oh, okay. Well. Uh, he is Simba in The Lion King, so you've heard his voice at the very least in that movie. The adult one. The adult, yes. Because yes. the kid one is Jonathan Taylor Thomas. JTT, of yes. course. So he yeah. is the adult Simba. He's in the Cable Guy. He is, that's right. That's he's right. he's the main character. I knew there that was one the that I've seen guy. in a bunch. Yeah, the Cable Guy. Uh, yeah, like you said, Godzilla. Have you seen Election? Yes. Okay, so I have seen some shit. Yeah, he's it. Uh, he was also Inspector Gadget in the live action Inspect Gadget. I've seen a lot of Matthew Broderick. I take back what I said earlier. Yeah, we've got <laughs> Stepford Wives in two thousand four. The Strangers with Candy movie. There's a Christmas movie called Deck the Halls. So he, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. None of it reached anything that he did i don't think in the 80s yeah Yeah. he'd had a this clip just came across my twitter feed recently but he guest starred on 30 rock at one point i think as some senator or something governor governor that's right and jack donaghy comes to visit him and he's got like no pens or paper or anything (laughs) he's like trying to like scratch in like with a pushpin a note but he just delivers this line really well where donaghy's like you don't have any pens he just goes, we're not in a recession. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Just, it really tickled me. It's a good delivery. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff, but nothing on the caliber that I think most people are used to when they think of Matthew Broderick. Mm. Uh, although he still keeps popping up and stuff. Like, he's in a bunch of TV episodes like that. Mm-hmm. He was in Modern Family. He was on the Roseanne reboot that turned into not a roseanne show yeah uh, so he was don't speak her name yeah he was a, he was a guest star on some of that so i mean he's he's funny in things yeah. that he comes up in it's honestly surprising he didn't end up doing more things beyond just seemingly goofy dad right right yeah ferris has to be that's number one. Oh yeah but he does he is ferris yeah he has that good run of cable guy and election i would say are kind of similar roles of a protagonist who you're uneasy with. Cable's mm-hmm. dope or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. At odds with a like, singular antagonist. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why somebody, and this could just be a difference between the 80s into the 90s versus like nowadays, but I wonder why a guy like a Ryan Reynolds can be like a quippy, almost Ferris Bueller-esque like, mm-hmm. I don't care about authority, like I'm doing my own thing, I've got quips, I've got sass and then he continues to do that well into adulthood whereas ferris bueller went or matthew broderick went basically into weird middle-aged man like almost immediately i think the answer is hgh (laughs) we're being like real about (laughs) it yeah really but i mean like so that's the the action action man part of it but at least like the characters he's playing are similar Mm -hmm. whether you put the action man role into it like i'm surprised there weren't more Hey, just do Ferris Bueller, but a little different for our movie yeah. with Matthew Broderick. Like, it seems like maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he was typecast, yeah. but. I think he's in a rom-com with Meg Ryan at some point in the 90s where they're both psychos stalking their exes who are dating each other. That sounds right up Meg Ryan's alley. It does. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> Meg Ryan is a creepy stalker. 
Yeah, I don't know that I'd be able to pull that out based so, on I like Because I went to be, I'm like, he did do like a couple rom-coms. Oh, wait, it's Addicted to Love. Thank you. What's like the break in his career, too? Is there like a time frame? I'm trying to think. Cause, of when he like doesn't work for a little bit? Yeah. Because there's a thing that happens in his personal life, which I wonder if that plays mm. a part in it. The biggest break I see is between 2000 and 2003. Oh, no. It would have been earlier. And that, But that, I think, also would have been a result of him going and doing Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's got something pretty much every single year from this on. So he's got nothing in 84. He's got films in 85, 86, 87. Nothing in 91. And then... Yeah, something for every year of the 90s. The, the first time he doesn't have anything is 2001. But again, I think that's he's doing Broadway stuff. And then three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, like he just, he continued to work. Mm-hmm. Just never, never reached those heights. So I don't, yeah. maybe it is personal issues that stopped him from going after different things. Or, yeah. or he maybe just got just... married and settled down and became like a family man and didn't want to do quippy, sarcastic sassy guy right and i think maybe if you get a role like ferris bueller and you're so young you might say i can't be ferris bueller for the rest of my life i have to be really deliberate true about the choices i make yeah because otherwise that's it that's all that's you it. do yeah ryan reynolds is a unique case in that he can be ryan reynolds in the proposal and ryan reynolds as deadpool and ryan reynolds as I don't know what else he's doing. Yeah, he's in like, Red Notice? Yeah, Red is that Notice, his, you think? Yeah. yeah. He's well, Deadpool in that too. But also Matt Sparger <laughs> is like is like cute and adorable and Ryan yeah. Reynolds is a smoke. He's a hot guy. You know what I mean? So like these marketable. Yeah. You can put him on anything, slap him on anything, and it's going to sell. Matthew Broderick, you kind of have to hear his voice. You got to hear him yeah. do his do thing. thing. I'm a Cameron girl personally, yeah. but... That's James a, Cameron? No. Absolutely <laughs> oh, <yeah>. not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, but no. <laughs> I like Matthew Broderick, though. Yeah. It's just a weird career trajectory yeah. for a guy who seemingly could do no wrong in the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, and he wasn't part of, like, the Brat Pack where, like, oh, we just need them to be in John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. They don't have the crossover appeal. I feel like he does, even though Ferris Bueller is a John Hughes movie. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So, so, I messed up my own example, but. At the very least, like, but he wasn't part of that, like, 16 he Candles, Anthony yeah. Michael Hall, uh, Emilio Estevez, like, he wasn't part of that group. Yeah. So. So, do you guys don't know anything else about this movie beyond Matthew Broderick is in it? I, I might know something, but I'm not going to be too presumptuous. Yeah. I think I know... Things. Things. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who the opponent might be. Okay. Oh, okay. In the war game. Okay. I don't know who the opponent. I don't know anyone else in the movie. I just know what possibly might strike the uh, the issue at hand with the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely some recognizable faces. I will okay. tell you that. Okay. Um, his co-star is someone that you will know that I've mentioned, possibly being connected with some of the things we've talked about already. Um, so you'll you'll see them pretty early on in the movie and be like, oh, okay. But yeah, some recognizable faces as adults and as kids. So I think you guys will hopefully enjoy it. When did you see this, though? Oh, I don't even remember the first time I saw this. It would have been probably 20-some years ago. Have you seen ago. it a bunch? Or? Yeah, I've seen oh, it a bunch. Okay. Yeah, I, I quite like it. I think it's a good movie. I probably saw it last, like, a couple of years ago. It's not one that I'd throw on repeat. 
I don't know why that it just was a thing that I came across. Like, I honestly don't really know that many people that have seen it. Uh, it just was probably something that I, maybe I was watching Ferris Bueller a bunch and was like, oh, I'll check out this other Matthew Broderick movie mm. and ended up liking it. Maybe it's because it's, maybe because the plot is similar to other things that I like. I'm I'm not really quite sure why I gravitated towards it, but I saw it. I've seen it a bunch over the years since I saw it for the first time, but I uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. So I think with some of the things that you guys, that I know you guys like in this realm, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But do you guys have any expectations going in? Is there any trepidation based on other 80s sci-fi that you've seen that you're like, oh, I don't know? I'm going in blank slate. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I think I would know about it is that it's probably a little lighter in tone than maybe like Tron, which was like like on deck for us that we were tossing this up between that and Tron, that this is maybe a little more lighthearted just considering who's in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does center on a teenager, so the, I mean, the, the very yeah, right, least yeah, I, yeah, I want it exactly, yeah. The thing. Um, <laughs> so, correct. It's not going to be like the thing tone. It's not going to be dead ass. It's going to be pretty light. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Yeah, I'm hoping it can do because I imagine if the main character is a teenager, you're going to have that balance of this is a teen movie, but it's also sci-fi, and how do you sort of balance the the needs of both genres? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough line to straddle a lot of times. Like, mm-hmm. do you go too kidsy with it and then alienate mm-hmm. the people who are going to see the star their own age? Although at this point, Matthew Broderick isn't anybody, I don't think. Because this is pre... Pre-Ferris. Pre so this is pre-Ferris, okay. Yeah, because Ferris comes out in 1986. So there's a full three years before. Mm. Even their co-star hadn't had their biggest role yet. So this is kind of pre-all of that. Got it. Um, so I don't know what kind of drawing power they would have had necessarily, but... To your point, anytime you have teens in the starring role, most likely you're going to get teens to go see it. Do you make it more adult and alienate the kids who want to see the older kids doing stuff? Or do you make it too kidsy and alienate the teens that you want to go as well as parents who don't care? So I think you guys will find the right balance with this. I hope, anyway. All right. Right, yeah. I'm curious to see what audience is the target for for this one. It was more adult-oriented or... I think the fact I mean, that there's a teenager in it, we're looking at more of like a gremlin situation. I think that's probably more, more the kind of the mentality you want to go yeah, in. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, it's not super kidsy, but it's not super adult either. Like I think this falls into the like what would be a PG thirteen range, mm. not necessarily in terms of content, but in uh, like graphic violence or you know anything that makes it a PG thirteen movie. Yeah. But I think in terms of who they're going for, they're looking for that probably twelve to. 19 yeah and there's a lot of stuff going on in this that would have been pretty novel at the time in terms of a like a concept to build a movie around so that would have also drawn in a unique group of people uh, and we'll touch on this more when you guys actually know what the movie's about right and we'll we'll kind of get into that in the after part but any final thoughts then from you guys before we uh, sit down to watch this no 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 <laughs> no <laughs> no all right. Well then, Johnny, Bridget, what do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll watch, watch it. Wouldn't you prefer a good game of chess?
All right, we are back. We have just finished watching 1983's Matthew Broderick film, War Games. Now, Johnny and Bridget, you were both on the hot seat. But, Johnny, I'll start with you. How are you feeling after watching this movie? Wait, Didn't really care for it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't care for it. Didn't really do anything for me. Wow. Yeah. Do I take that to mean that you feel the opposite, Bridget? I liked it. Okay. I like a little puzzle box. I thought Matthew was good. Ali Sheedy was... There. There. She's there. <laughs> yeah. Charming, you know. She's a delightful she's actress. Cute. Yeah. I would change her F to an A. <laughs> Same. <laughs> sure. There's a lot of jokes there about Fs and As, but okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cute. I thought it was fun. Yeah. What? 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 What's think, happening? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I think I kind of the movie lost me once we left like his house and everything. Mm. Once he got like arrested. Yeah, I didn't kind of dig him. Kind of like being there. I kind of wish the movie was like he was just the game was played from his house and there, and then they came to his house. I just I don't. I'd like the. He wanted more of his. 80s bedroom. I wanted 80s suburbia. I wanted. I, I like that world. And then we get to like NORAD and just like. It does slow down quite a bit. It slows down quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Because I like all of that stuff. I like the parents. I like the arcades. I like the. The trash can. The trash can. You know, invite your, your little friend for a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely parts of the movie that are adorable and fun and it's so 80s. And then I think once they leave the house, the movie just. Lost me. Okay. And not like lost me, like I couldn't follow the movie. No, yeah. It just, it... Kind of lost your interest. It took my breath away in yeah. a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> like, that normally means the other thing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's stolen yeah, it from you. Like, yeah. <gasps> this movie's about to suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to tell you this going in, Johnny, but you're now 0 for 2 on John Badham directed movies. Though I think you might have liked this one better than his other film that we watched, which was Short Circuit. This has its fingerprints on it. For sure. For sure. When his name showed up in the opening credits, I was like, why do I know that name? Did you check? I I was trying to like... I waited until... I wanted to wait until the end of the movie. And then end credits roll. I felt like Guy Pierce when the bad guy in L.A. Confidential says Rolo Tomasi. I'm like, (gasps) it's him! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, it's him. the thing i recognize yeah yeah i was trying to like keep an eye out when the director's name popped up at the beginning to be like don't google it don't look <laughs> don't let that inform your opinion don't look it was just like a vague like hmm yeah, well, how do have I we covered that? this person before i can't remember we have we probably also talked about how he directed war games during that episode uh, but I figured there was no way you guys would remember that. And no. then when Johnny picked this movie, I was like... There were so many more memorable Ooh. things that we discussed during the short Oh, circuit. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at least there was no uh, overly racist character in this one. Uh, and no sassy robot. I mean, the robot in this was sweet. I don't know. Not nearly as sassy as Johnny Fox. Why don't you... Yeah. yeah, not as sassy. How about a game of chess, though? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? Let's do it. There was definitely an abundance of, like, dolly moves around the computer. Mm-hmm. Just to show of, you it was working. a lot of boop-boops and bee-bops. Yeah, they have to show you that it's working. They yeah. gotta show you that it's thinking. Because how else do you show an old-timey, big-ass computer like that? No, it's fine. I just laughed every time. It's like, here we, here we go with the dolly move again. There's a spider coming down. What? Right. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay, pause. Sorry. Okay, sorry. I have no idea what your point was. Like, I have no recollection of what the point was. Whoever was speaking. We were, I, we were talking about the robots. Oh, yeah. And, oh, the, and, and the, the dolly ab- moves and the around. the abundance of dolly moves around yes. the robot. So yes. I laughed every time. I'm like, here we go. Do a little 360 move around it again. Around the whopper. Yeah, around the whopper. The whopper. Great name. Yeah. Made up name. But it's yeah. good that it has, like, you can say it out as opposed to be like, we're worried about the WOPR over here. No, I'm glad there's, what I did enjoy about this movie, there's an undercurrent of, like, zingers and one-liners that don't fail anywhere. Like, they're all good for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Yeah, when it wants a joke, it gets it. Yeah, because this movie could have gone, like, dead-ass if it wanted to, but it it did sometimes, but it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but for every quote-unquote dead-ass moment, there's a your mama joke. Right, correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Or something akin yeah. to that. Or you see a pterodactyl. Yes, I was going to say. Or like, there's just a, a pterodactyl drone. Right. How confused were you guys when the pterodactyl started flying through the screen? I thought we were in Isla Nubar for a minute. <laughs> it was. I was like, what kind of bird? What kind of bird is that for a bit? And I'm like, it's a, ter- a pterodactyl. Yeah. And then we cut away to them running on the beach. I'm like, I guess we're going to get no explanation. <laughs> Okay. I was about to look up like Seattle Ornicology like after the fucking That's true. I'm like, maybe it's an osprey. Let's go back. (laughs) You got your monoscope out, like (laughs) get the monocular going. The monocular, yeah. Yeah. Monoscope is good though. Yeah. Yeah, didn't expect all the dinosaurs. Good amount of dinosaurs. Yeah, that was a nice little throw in at the end, just to be like a little treat. I mean it kind of points out that the his like main giving up point of I mean these guys were badasses for hundreds of millions of years, billions of years, whatever, and then they just all died. And then the world reset. So maybe that's not such a bad thing if that's just the natural order of things. I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> but the use of dinosaurs was a good way to illustrate that point of futility as it were. Of, like the earth's just gonna reset whenever it wants to. So fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Mm-hmm. He got pretty obsessive with it, though. The inside of that place looked like it did, it was fucking a, Rainforest Cafe. It, <laughs> it was that and, you know, a lot of cactuses. There's a lot of cactuses. A very, you know, deaccessioned exhibit space. Yeah. <laughs> they needed something to do after dying. Right. It's, hey. Your hobbies you dwindle. You worse things. Yeah, right? But it's like, what is there to do as a solo hobby in 1983 that isn't? Just researching endlessly things that don't exist anymore. Imagine being his neighbor. Yeah, I bet you he does not have one. <laughs> yeah. That man is on an island without a boat or a friend. It's just him and his remote control pterodactyls. Yep. And his stop motion yeah. <laughs> stop videos motion of film. dinosaurs. Oh. That movie looked good. Have you ever seen that? Which one was that? It looked like a... The Titans, one of those like old-fashioned yeah, like Sinbad of the Seven Seas or something. Yeah. Sure. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Wrath of the Titans or whatever the the I can't remember. It reminded me the King yeah. the King Kong. Yeah, we watched. Oh, t- it did oh, look like King that. Kong. Those Kong. dinosaurs look like they're from Skull Island. Yeah, dude, book me a one-way ticket to Skull Island. Yeah, really. Uh, in the Pan Am directory. Hold on, let me dial yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let me get you a reservation. I did see, I, I enjoyed seeing all of that technology on display, which was fun. 
Yeah, this was something that, like, in 1983, there wasn't the concept of, like, hacking or any of the stuff, like, you see in this. So this was kind of, like, the the world's first foray into, like, what computers could do beyond just, like, typing. You know, like, yeah. most people didn't have, like, the Apple II wasn't around yet, maybe. You know, so they didn't have an idea of, like, what a home computer could do. And this is obviously well before Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry introduced us to the internet. So... <laughs> <laughs> You know, this was just like a brand new thing for people. And it, I think they get it kind of right. I mean, the the auto dialing and the listening for tones and like all that really rudimentary basic stuff seems pretty on point. I mean, they had people in on set to make sure that like the logistics of things they were doing and saying was correct. So this was, I guess, technically plausible, however far-fetched it actually ends up being. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably stands to your point of why the beginning is probably a little bit more enjoyable as it does have those like, oh, look, we're doing fun, like 1980s computer stuff where the stuff in Nora doesn't have any of that. It's all just a lot of like running around. Yeah, I just I, I like I like that environment. I like the cutesy element of like kid, innocent kid messing with big world issues from afar and then all of a sudden he's just there at NORAD and like all of that cutesy stuff is gone and now it's just a bunch of military people screaming at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a bit of a bummer, but I like some of the puzzle box element yeah. of how am I going to get the keypad to work? Where's Dr. What's-his-name? I've already forgotten. Stephen Falcon? Dr. Falcon, yeah. Dr. Falcon, yeah. Falcon's maze. But it is more fun when they're just at his house. Yeah. And honestly, like, Oofing I, and... true, and I kind of wish they kind of, like, wrapped it up. They should have had one scene at the end of this movie where he's back at his place, computer, do you want to play another one, and the mom is screaming about dinner and the trash, yeah. or just bring me back to Seattle just for a minute. Yeah. Show that, like, his life carries on. And yeah, a little bit. Maybe like he's still precocious. He has, like, that one friend of the arcade that seems to be, like, coming for, like, a second that could have been, like, a plot thing for oh, a while. the eight-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> It's an odd ending. Yeah. Maybe we meet with his friends at the university again. Mm. Yes. I'd like to see them again. <laughs> they were fun. One of them is the dude who uh, cooks grits in My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> really? Yeah. The one who like tells him about the back door and the password and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guy is a voice on Dexter's Lab. Oh. Oh. I think he's Mandrake. Oh. On Dexter's Lab. You can hear it. He's got a yeah. very distinct voice for, and a face for voiceover work. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. When he showed up on screen, I went, oh. Yeah. Like, look, a lovable 80s movie nerd. I know. <laughs> oh, that guy was funny. Yeah. I already figured it out. I did the whole thing. You guys are so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted me to tell you when you were being rude and hurtful, oh, this is that. one of those times. Yeah. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. I know. I want, like, a spinoff movie of just those two doing weird, like, computer. Oh, give me it. 1980s yeah. computer stuff. Tell me more. It had a it had a very uh, Leonard and Sheldon vibe from like Big Bang Theory of just like we're both smart we both know what we're we're doing but you are awful with people and I'm gonna tell you yeah what exactly <laughs> <laughs> seems like that may have been the basis for that relationship is the movie War Games how do we feel about Matthew Broderick he's not as Ferris in this role which I liked but I liked it yeah yeah he's good he's just I don't know he's he's fun he seems like I don't know he's a smart guy I don't know. The whole Alice, what is it, Ali Keedy is her name? Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy, excuse me. Yeah, they have, like, chemistry a little bit. Kinda, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, I suppose. I at least believe it when they go to start kissing. Like, they 
you know, they hung out a bunch. It was clear that she was going over there after school. They're clearly both slackers to a certain extent. They're both equally smart and slackers. Because when you look at her grades before they're changed, there's some A's and B's in there. Yeah. Like, they're very similar people. So I totally get why they, like, gravitated towards each other whilst hanging out. Mm -hmm. More so than her just being, like, coming over and then being like, well, you're the main uh, character of this movie. I'm going to fall in love with you. Yeah. I like that she makes him get on the back of her bike. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, just a, a nice touch. He's right. so young, too. Yeah, I don't know how... I think I looked up... She's like 20 when they filmed this movie. He's very baby. He's got to be like 16. Like... No, they're the same age. So they were both like 20s. Like 19, 20, maybe 21 when, they, uh, when the movie was filmed. She's actually younger than he is by like a couple months. They were born yeah. the same year. But yeah, you're right. He does look way, yeah. way younger. Way younger. But I think that works. It works for the, the movie. Mm -hmm. It makes him a believably looking high schooler. Yeah. You know, at no point was I like, oh, there's a there's an old man playing a high schooler hacking computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can play clever enough that you're like, this kid could hack a system, but naive enough to be like, and... Would not understand why he should not be messing around certain places. You especially, know, foolish enough to push the plot forward. Yeah. Especially after his friend said, no, this is military. Like, this isn't a toy company. This isn't a games manufacturer. Like, this is the military. But I want to play the games. <laughs> yeah. It was a cool list of games, though. Like, if you were if you were hacking around and messing in, like, a computer techie person, and you saw a list that included, like, ground warfare thermonuclear war, like dogfighting airstrike amongst chess and chess. You'd be like, no, I want to play fucking thermo global thermonuclear war. Like, that sounds way cooler than chess. <laughs> for checkers. Like, get out of here. I want to blow stuff up. Yeah, even right. on this weird dot matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Whopper played Chip's Challenge? Well, oh, yeah. Chip's Challenge? <laughs> Chip's Challenge. <laughs> Probably. Ski Free? Oh, yeah. Some of those. Remember those? I mean, Ski like, Free is great. Ski Free is great. Probably the Whopper is like the Yeti. He is the Yeti. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably really good at Minesweeper. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like thinking about like, oh, like, what other games should we let him play? Yeah. Pinball. Yeah, 3D Pinball, yeah. Space War. <laughs> the first video game. Yeah. Did it bother either of you that he was like too good at everything tech-wise? Kinda. I don't know. I think, like, the door and everything was kind of excessive. The door seems like the bridge too far. So I was a little worried when that yeah. happened that you guys are going to be like, okay, so he knows everything about every piece of technology in existence? Like, come on now. If they had, like, foreshadowed that with something, like, in his house that he had, like, retrofitted techno with technology, yeah. I'd be like, okay, then and that could have been a throwaway insert or something where it's like, okay, I got it. He knows all of it. And then I would have swallowed that scene later on a little better. Yeah, I mean, they kind of touch on it. And I don't know if this is the same idea in saying that, like, computers talk to each other through, like, tones. Yeah. And so, therefore, he was able to use the tones to tell the computer what tones were being input. So, like, that's kind of, I guess, what you're looking for. But it is, it's such a throwaway and it's in such a different capacity mm. that I could totally understand when it comes around and you're like, wait, the cassette players playing the door code what <laughs> yeah but the fact that he had like the little like you know clip on him and all the like he had all that stuff on him after just being arrested was a little a little much but right 
It made for a fun, like, escape sequence, yeah. at the very least. This was almost like Beneath put the Planet of the Apes. Yeah! Now that I'm thinking about it. At least location, how we move from location, it's like, alright, we're never seeing Seattle again. <laughs> yep. And now we're just underground. We'll see a little bit of Tacoma, Isla Nubar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we get Oregon and yeah. the Exxon Station in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Both have nuclear warheads in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about the, the actual plot of it, that a kid does this and that everyone's on high alert as a result? Were you interested to see how that would play out, or was it more just the things that were happening along the way that you were okay with? Bridget okay with Johnny, maybe not so. Yeah. I knew there was some sort of Cold War mm-hmm. element. I thought that, like, the Soviet Union would play a bigger role, but they're ultimately, they're not really engaged much. I don't know. I liked it. I was just along for the ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> was it at least grounded enough for it to be believable, or was it seemingly too far-fetched? Because I could understand a conceit of this movie being like, it's too far-fetched that a kid hacks a government thing when you're watching it in 2022. Yeah. Um, that didn't feel too far-fetched for me. I was like, that seems right. Like, when you consider sort of how relatively simple mm-hmm. systems were back then. Yeah. Like, okay, that's fair. And I think the movie does a really good job in the opening scene of, like, setting up the idea of you need... Two physical men to kind of key in, fire mm. the missiles, mm-hmm. how the government could then say, well, like, let's, what does he say? Let's take them out of the loop. Take them out of the loop. That's right. That you would take them out of the loop and sort of have things decided more algorithmically, mm-hmm. I think makes even more sense in a 2022 setting than it may have in 1983. Yeah. I can imagine sitting in the audience being like, you can't let a computer do anything. Right, right. (laughs) And now we're like, why would you make a decision? Jesus. Yeah. Computer, force feed me the news. Yeah, please. (laughs) Okay, Google. Yeah. Yeah. What do I need to buy? Hold on, let me look at Instagram. Um, (laughs) So, I I was not ever really in like a questioning space, plot-wise. Or really at all. Except for when the pterodactyl flew by. It's just like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Do your eyes deceive you? Yeah. Uh, What did you guys think of the opening scene, though? Because I feel like that's kind of different than the rest of the movie. It makes it seem like it's going to be very serious. Were you on board for that kind of movie? Or were you like, oh, I kind of was hoping for a lighthearted kid thing? I honestly forgot about it until you, like, mentioned it, like, a minute ago. Oh, the opening scene? Correct, yeah. Like, I just... It, it is very tonally different. Because mm-hmm. um, you don't see the characters again. You see him a little bit. You, you see, see Michael one. Madsen, like, look at back at the other guy, like, you fucking clown. Yeah, you see As them they're when they're putting the computer. Installing in. the computer uh, okay. in yeah. their place. But that's it. They don't get reprimanded. Right, right. They don't get, like, in trouble for what they did. Even when they're talking about it in, in the immediate aftermath of it, like, those people aren't part of the conversation. It's just like, hey, what the fuck happened? We ran a drill and everybody failed. Right. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they said something like 70% of the people didn't turn their keys. Because only like 22% of them did. Oh, I thought it was 22% didn't turn their keys. Oh, I thought Which he's... is still enough to... Yeah. I, I'd i have to go back. I thought he said... Both are a problem. Yeah. Why did only... A missile yeah. firing. 
Yeah, I thought it was like, why did only 22% turn their keys? But it, it could have been the other way. Either way, not 100%, which is what you want for a, a if test a, of a, defense a, capabilities. <laughs> right. I can understand his point, though. Don't don't turn the key if you don't have, like, direct knowledge of it. Right. Because you're condemning the world at that point. Right. Yeah. Like, who's that Soviet guy who, like, stopped a launch? Yes. Like, I was you... going to bring that up. Thank yeah, you. That, okay. That like... happened the same year. So have you heard? Was about it because he watched war games? I don't. I don't <laughs> know. So this movie came out in like June in the United States, and in September of this same year uh, was something called. Let me pull it back up. The 1983 Soviet nuclear false alarm incident, where basically the opening scene of this movie took place for real. They got the warning. Uh, the man said, "Like I don't, I don't believe this. Like I'm not going to be the one." That condemns the world with a nuclear attack, essentially. And he was correct, obviously, because you haven't heard about that nuclear strike in 1983. So he was, ultimately, they were like, okay, great job. But he got no awards, no Mm -hmm. rewards, no medals, no nothing. Because doing so would mean that the people who designed it fucked up. And then they'd be in trouble. So they basically just were like, cool, thanks, man. And eventually he like was ushered out of the military in Russia mm. or the Soviet Union. And then ultimately, I think, like, had a breakdown, like a mental breakdown and I think died in solitude. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Buried in a pauper's grave. Yeah. So he received no, uh, this way, no reward because the incident and other bugs found in the detection system embarrassed the superiors. He was reassigned to a less sensitive post, took early retirement. He emphasized he was not forced out and he suffered a nervous breakdown. Wow. So yeah, his uh, his name was Stanislav Petrov. So that happened months after this movie came out. That's wild. Not, obviously not to this extent, but the opening scene at the very least. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he could have followed through and we'd be living in a very different world, if at all. Thank God for War Games. <laughs> that dude definitely saw it. He, dude, he saw it. He saw, he it. saw bootleg VHS. Oh yeah, he saw it. Or no. bootleg reel to reel. Oh, yeah, bootleg reel to reel. to reel, yeah. Yeah. Betamax. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy. In the same year. D- like, if, if that one had happened first, I could understand, like, oh, okay, they, they made a quick tweak to a movie they were already working mm-hmm. on and, and played it off this way. Not the movie happens first and then real life imitates the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it brings you to the point of, like, there ultimately are very few options. It is tic-tac-toe. Mm-hmm. No one can really win. But everyone there's only a su- yeah. There's only a few outcomes that can really regularly happen. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about the tic tac toe analogy that they used? Did you pick up on that being the solution when they made it, or once it came back around at the end, you were like, "Oh, okay, that thing that he explained." It felt like a nice oh when we came back to it, but it wasn't what I thought we were gonna have. What did you I think? thought I was like. Why aren't they using Joshua? And then they tried it. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Lock themselves out of the system. system. Uh-oh. Whopper's annoying. <laughs> he is annoying. Dude. They are annoying. They are annoying. That's yeah. true. Do you guys like the moral at the end? The Sometimes the only winning move is not to play? Someone else is just going to play and then fuck up everyone else. You may as well, take, you may as well play yourself. <laughs> no, but then nobody wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It's cute. I don't know. Yeah. It's... 
mean, yeah. Sure. (laughs) I think it's a, I don't know. It's one of those things that feels like, yeah, I'm not going to launch a nuclear missile. And it's like, I never could have. This shit is so out of my hands. Like, thank you for the, the fable, but like. It's really just for the people in that room. Yeah, I work at a gift shop. Like, I, it's, no one's calling me to make these decisions. Turn your key! Turn your key! Shit! We're about to open it. Yeah, look under the ornaments. Shit. I guess if you wanted to be an activist against nuclear war in the 80s, that would have been a much better sure. parable than mm. it is now. Yeah. When, like, yeah, everyone's seen war games. We know the dangers of nuclear war. Like, you don't have to... Mm-hmm. Expose that anymore. Yeah. You can just, everyone knows. Yeah. Nuclear war bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's, I think there's also uh, a complacency of like, well, that was a thing we did. And then the Soviet Union fell and Germany was reunified. And like, that's, that's a thing from the 80s and like earlier and duck and cover. And that's not something we have to worry about now. No. We have a different sets. We have different, yeah. Meanwhile, like, so everyone's sweating bullets about, like, a grain ship leaving, like, Ukraine. But at the same time, like, who can keep up with COVID and monkeypox and, like, global warming? (laughs) And, like, I just say, I got enough shit on my plate. I got a back burner. (laughs) Nuclear annihilation. Yeah. I mean, they all still exist. So, still the the existential threat. It should, war games should be mandatory viewing for every new head of state <laughs> yeah really because yeah. i need you to understand that the only winning movie is not to play okay yeah <laughs> this will this will be on the test yeah <laughs> how'd you feel about the false ending where everything was a-okay and then it continued to find the launch codes oh i knew that was gonna happen oh okay yeah yeah oh. it just couldn't be over i it felt so like, it I, like I feel like you saw right through this movie and i was like completely like I saw it. Like agenda. I felt like a baby, like, like, <laughs> room, like oh, where'd it go? <laughs> I mean, only like gas really was like the pterodactyl, <laughs> like that. I I knew the movie's agenda outside of like. You're like whoa, hard pivot. Yeah, it was a hard pivot. Proto JP, I can't believe this. Yeah. How did I miss this one? <laughs> like honestly, it was just a one shot. I. And we just moved on. I wouldn't have said anything. I'd be like, I, I think I saw something, but I'm not going to say because they'll probably think I'm crazy. Yeah. But then they lingered on. I'm like, Are you guys fucking seeing this? Because I'm seeing this. <laughs> to be fair, when it first started, I had forgotten that he was like, it wasn't until it did a bunch of swoops where I was like, oh, that's right. That's Falcon controlling. Yeah. Because I was like, that does look like a pterodactyl. Wait, no, I know what happened. <laughs> I know where they are. I know what's going on. Speaking of Falcon, I. Can't verbalize it, but the hand motion. The- oh, well, oh, he, he he come, come to the helicopter. Come to yeah. the helicopter. Yeah. The in the helicopter. I did draw it. <laughs> you, you did draw it. Yeah. I did draw it. In the helicopter. I mean, he had that intercom the whole time. I feel like instead of chasing them around the beach, he should have been like, "Guys, it's me. It's Falcon. Get in the helicopter. We're gonna go save Norad." <laughs> Crystal Palace. Yeah. They book it up the mountain. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like this is. I know, I just saw your other drawing. I'm like, what was that? I'm like, now I know what it is. like. Fucking Jeep going like a million miles an hour into a fence. That was shocking. That was a shock. Okay, sorry. I guessed twice. The pterodactyl (laughs) and the Jeep turning over on its side into a fence. I feel like that's when you really got engaged again. 
I did. It did. I perked up a little in. bit. Yeah. You tuned in. <laughs> well, because you just hear Ali Sheedy like, oh no, the gates closed. And it's like, it doesn't even like pause to like give you a chance to anticipate what is about to happen. Just and the Jeep flies through the fence. And the fence is then wrapped around the Jeep while it's still doing like 90 miles per hour. And then flips. It feels like they like only an had, open they, Jeep. It feels like they only had one Jeep to do this with, one shot to do it, and th- it somehow got fucked up. He hit like the guardrail and then to another fence. And like, well shit, now we gotta keep it, and now we gotta like film this whole sequence of like them getting out of an overturned Jeep. <laughs> I'm trying to refine it, but I read it earlier today. That was a mistake. I bet it was. Like, it looked it like was, <laughs> It looked like a real accident. Yeah. It was not supposed to crash like that. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, the Jeep trying to crash through the gate at NORAD and turning over was an actual accident. The Jeep was supposed to continue through the gate. They added the scenes of the characters running from the Jeep and down the tunnel and used the botched Jeep stunt. So it was just supposed to keep going and go down the tunnel. But I think the gate got caught, and that's what forced them to essentially crash. Yeah, because it, they hardly got through the gate. Smashed into a guardrail, and then into a fence and like overturned. But it almost looked like an RC car. It just looked so spectacular. Mm. It in a very accidental sense. Yeah, I definitely think it works out better than if they had just like crashed through and continued driving. I it, think it's. I mean, it makes for a better viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you get the lady being like, "Hurry, Hold hurry!" The door. About the door closing, which you had already noted earlier in the movie. Gave like, me anxiety. Yeah. yeah. That one guy who just walked through yeah, and just going to like, the water cooler. It's like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? Dude, I gotta get coffee. Yeah. Get out of my way. I, 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 don't don't I need talk some, to I need me some Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they called it back then. Yeah, I need some <laughs> Joe. Get out of my way. <laughs> I think the other part that you perked up was the uh, the rustic-looking 7-Eleven and McDonald's in the middle of the woods. Oh, yeah, that was great. Both yeah. me and Bridget did when we saw the McDonald's. They so were like, like, wait a minute. I love a novel McDonald's. Yeah, for sure. This weird wooded Seattle suburb. It's got wood panel 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Because you know, like, a plastic Ronald McDonald just sitting on a bench inside of that fucker. Mm-hmm. I love his big gulp. Which was wider than it was tall. Yes. Which I feel like is not how it normally right. was. I was like, damn, I've never seen a big gulp that wide before. Like, all the way around. It's like a cylinder as opposed to, like, a normal cup shape. Right. Right. <laughs> it's very Simpsons. Yeah. No lid either. He wasn't worried about getting arrested in that moment. No. He was just going to enjoy. Yeah. It's delicious. Well, it's a big gulp. You gotta drink. gulp. Yeah. yeah. You gotta can't gulp through a straw. No. True. <laughs> Oh, how about the unorthodox way his father butters the corn? Oh Raw corn. Raw, Raw corn. corn. Also, I, I felt like there was a, an explanation needed for why his mother was forcing them to eat raw corn that yeah. we never get. Well, because it's, it's rich in I, vitamin A and B. You can really taste the vitamin yeah. A. Yeah, and it's crisp. I think it's just some weird hokey 80s recipe thing that like her mom group talked about or something. Probably. I also like that it's like country crock. You never see that anymore. Oh yeah. On the white bread. On the oh white yeah. Bread. My Rolled. parents still get country crock. Oh really? Yeah, and in the then little corn holders that you the, stick into the side. Oh dude, do they make those anymore? Yeah. They do. I need them. I need them because yeah. corn's hot. It's too burn. hot. Like you want to eat it when it's hot, but you don't want to burn your little hands. Yeah. Will you try <laughs> the buttered bread method now? That's monstrous. 
Well, because then at the end of the day, you've got a piece of a perfectly good buttered piece of I bread. I did notice that part. Table. Okay, now the, now it looks like enough butter on a piece of bread. At first, I'm like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. It looks like my father. <laughs> That's what my father does. Uh, I didn't know what clogged arteries back in the 80s. Oh, my lord. <laughs> but, like, the, those parts of the movie, like, I miss sorely in the second half, mm-hmm. where there was just such an agenda of trying to figure out the stuff in NORAD and stuff, where. I just like, can we go back to his parents? Like, what is parents doing right now? Yeah. I, just I don't say. care if it advances the story. What are they doing? Yeah. And you want, like, a little bit, even earlier at NORAD, you know, like, when the guard is flirting with the secretary. <laughs> slash harassing sexually, her. Yeah, sexually harassing Stop the secretary. Stop it. Like, you want a little bit of flavor. Like, even what's says, going on? Am yeah. I bothering you? <laughs> yes, go away. Yes, you are. <laughs> just trying to work here. Go antagonize the prisoner. <laughs> Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that there isn't a scene. Because, like, his parents would flip the fuck out if their kid just, like, didn't come home. And you couldn't get a hold of them because cell phones don't exist. Yeah. Bo but... the dog is very upset. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a good boy. Yeah. But, yeah, let's go back to the house for a minute. Even if they're clues, they don't even know that the kid's missing. Like, Ferris Bueller, where his parents are kind of just going about their day and they check out and they open yeah. the door. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, I would love to to have the scene of them getting the phone call, being like, we've arrested your son, he's at NORAD. And just having them, like, not understand it. Like, you don't even hear one side of it. You just see the parents, like, reacting to whatever and just being confused about NOR what now? Computers? Like, literally. They're just fun characters that it's just a shame yeah. that they're squandered after, like, the 35-minute mark. Yeah. They're just gone. Mm. Yeah, because we don't even get them back at the end because he never goes back home. I wonder... Because I had read that John Bottom was the second choice for director. They had hired another guy initially who had a much darker vision. Yep, boy. Yeah, Martin Brest was originally hired as a director, but was fired after 12 days because of a disagreement with producers. Uh, several of the sheen- scenes he shot are still in the movie, and the director, Bottom, had said that he- Brest had taken a somewhat dark approach to the story in the way it was shot. It was like Broderick and Sheedy were doing some Nazi undercover thing. So it was my job to see that they were, to make it seem like they were having fun and that it was exciting as opposed to being like a weird covert ops thing. Sure. Yeah. So I wonder if that was a touch of his of like, let's have these fun parents, but then he never stuck the landing of like, bring it back around. It was like, let's just give, let's make funny parents. Well, I bet he was the one who inserted that like, Alarm prank on the visitors at NORAD. Oh. That was pretty funny. You know who the dad is? No. He was the narrator for the fake news show in Chappelle's show where they do the uh, black white supremacist. That's really funny. Because <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I was like, I know that guy from something. And as soon as I saw the IMDb picture, I was like, that's it. He's from Chappelle's show. He does, he does the whole like intro. To, like, their fake dateline or whatever, yeah. frontline or whatever it's called. I love the mom's, like, big gold Century 21 oh, jacket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just talking realty buzzwords. Yeah. You'll have a balloon payment. <laughs> it's fine. We can come up with some creative Cre- financing. Creative financing, yes. <laughs> what was the average interest rate in 1983 <laughs> on, a, on, a th- on a 30-year conventional mortgage? We'll have to ask his mom. Mrs. True. Mrs. Lightman. Yeah, Lightman. Very low is the answer. <laughs> it might be high. Yeah, because you didn't need a loan back then. 
you just walk in with whatever cash you had in your pocket and right. they give you a house. So if you right. needed to get a loan, if you needed to get a loan, was that like ten percent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think they peaked in the eighties. Anyways, we'll have to ask her. Yeah, we'll get her on the horn in nineteen yeah. real estate games. Yeah, real estate games. Monopoly. Yeah, I could have watched a whole movie of just Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. Yeah, playing yeah, like and like picking out different places. Yeah. Seattle, like we just—that was so good. It was so delightful. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how the movie would have played out if you kept them separate for longer, to where they had no inkling that somebody was out on the outside playing a game, mm-hmm. and therefore everything was taken as it should be. I don't know if that would have made it shorter because then they would have been like, "All right, launch the missiles. Like this is real. Mm-hmm. We have no reason to think it's not." But I do, I do, I do like your suggestion of like. Doing more fun 80s suburban stuff. Yeah, it's got to stay there longer. I liked when they started, like, seeing the news and, like, oh, like, why we may have some sort of implication here. Like, we're doing something here. And then just as quickly they were snatched, snatched up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I... Which, in reality, that's probably what would have happened. But, oh, like, for sure. It probably took longer than it would have otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they, like, narrowed it down to the metro area yeah. of Seattle. Which, no small area, but still... Matthew Roderick changes grades in Ferris Bueller, too. I feel like he's sitting at the computer in the principal's office or something and doing it. Or maybe he's doing it from home, I don't remember. But I feel like he does. No, I know, like, the secretary's, like, on the computer or, like, the principal's on the computer trying to figure out shit, but... Yeah. Yeah. The score of this is kind of fun and geeky and beep boop ba ba boop Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, little synth, little computer little bit, yeah. Yeah. Electronic. Play, it was playful. Yeah. yeah. I felt like sometimes... There's no tangerine dream. Oh my god. That would have been the other guy's version. Because that would have been a lot lot darker. I do feel like there were a couple of points, though, where it seemed a little too beep-boppy-boopy. Oh yeah, you can get it pretty excessive. But but like, in a time where it's like, he's getting arrested, and it's like, beep-boppy-boop-boop-boop. I'm like, no, (laughs) the main character just got arrested by the FBI. Let's have a more ominous sound here, I guess. But it made sense when the van pulled away and you could see that log cabin McDonald's in the back. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it made so much sense. It cushioned the blow for you guys. Ooh. I, the score felt unremarkable to me. Besides the opening song when we meet Matthew Broderick's character felt like an odd choice. And the song that plays at the end felt like an odd choice. Hmm. Not really good when you bookend with bad choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about those those two. You guys have any particular favorite one-liners or zingers? I mean, I've, we definitely covered a bunch of them. The Your Wife, um, Seattle. I like when McKittrick, the guy with the mustache at the end, calls the uh, calls the general uh, a pig-eyed sack of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. The general was a delightful character to watch. He was yeah. really animated and fun, and seeing his reaction to the things unfold was one of the more entertaining aspects of the mm. movie. This isn't a line, but it's something that I noticed as Whopper is running through the different scenarios of Russia strikes first, U.S. strikes first, and then it kind of goes down these different, like, like the Eastern strategy. But then it just starts naming countries in, mm-hmm. like, kind of different ways, like the Bangladesh thrust, <laughs> the Libyan local. And I wish I could get a list of all of them because they were... There were definitely some gems in there. Yeah. Yeah, some with they Cuba were, in there. Yeah, they were flying by, though. So I only got Libyan local and 
Bangladesh thrust. <laughs> Bangladesh thrust is great. Yeah, there was like NATO Warsaw Pact and like some generic standard mm-hmm. Cold War, again, buzzword. One of them starts with uh, the bombing of Greenland. I noticed at one point, like the very first bomb strike is Greenland. And I'm like, no one's starting World War Three by attacking Greenland yeah. whopper. Come on. You're wasting valuable crunching time. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when you play tic-tac-toe and you're like, I'm not going to take the middle. I'll take a corner. That dude, and then you immediately regret it. Oh, dude screamed it. He's like, take, it, take the X. Take the <laughs> yes. It's like, yes, dude, we, we've all been eight. Yeah. Like, we know how to play tic-tac-toe. He's like, finally, yes, I can be helpful. I don't know this computer <laughs> thing, and the missiles aren't really my bag, but I know tic-tac-toe. That guy feels like he was like an extra that won a contest. He gets one line. And so he just emphatically was like, put the X in the center square. <laughs> yeah. I watch Hollywood Squares every night when I'm eating my TV dinner. I got this. <laughs> Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Damn. Now I'm just picturing Whopper in one of the squares. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like when Watson was on Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I picture now. I feel like we haven't covered much, but there's not really a lot to the movie. No. It's just like series of, you know, we the 80s part, like the 80s suburban part and then the NORAD part. And it's just a lot of talking in the NORAD part. Covered the escape. Mm-hmm. It was really yeah. like the biggest set piece in the NORAD part. Yeah. It's just plays a war game and he wins. Or he convinces the computer that nobody wins. No, he wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matthew Broderick wins because he doesn't go to jail forever. Yeah, and he gets the true. Ghost. Well, at least we don't know. He could still get thrown That's in Guantanamo yeah. right after this. He's the first Guantanamo prisoner ever. <laughs> All because he auto-dialed the wrong number. Which could happen to any one of us. Unless you're too young to know how to work a rotary phone. Mm-hmm. Right. Where would you have wanted to auto-dial and hack into when you were 17? I mean, probably a video game company to play the newest thing. <laughs> You're I like, think he's kind I of know, on he's the money. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of on the money there. Because, like, what else What else could you theoretically do other than, like, the bank transfer money to yourself? Yeah. But that's... Yeah. Then like it's, like... It's easily traceable because you sent it to yourself. you right. got to do something that's just, like, you're not going to get in trouble, like... Like movie phone, just getting the times that you want. Yeah. But then yeah. to wait. Send yeah. them to me. <laughs> yeah, dial movie phone. Correct. It prints it out. Yep. And then you've just got it and right you there. You just have it, yeah. Yeah. You're already you have to call again. Yeah. You're not hurting anyone. <laughs> you just getting your answers in quick. I feel like the airplane one you could probably get away with. I feel like they wouldn't know that it wasn't paid for until they do like the end of quarter reports and be like, Why was trips all around the world not accounted for? Like who did this? And then they'd be like, I, I don't know, it's just some it was in the system. I don't know. What do you want from me? Yeah. I feel like that's the technically a victimless crime. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Although Pan Am isn't around anymore, so maybe it wasn't. <laughs> that's true. That was that was the, the nail in the coffin. Yeah. They went under because Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy bought a airplane ticket to Paris. <laughs> Never paid. I do like how that comes back around, though. I did like that. I like that they used it. I was like, well, what are you doing? You going to Paris? Yeah, who are you going to Paris with? Because that's what you would do if you were a spy. You would get a plane ticket out of the country with your accomplice. Yeah. So that was a nice little touch coming back around. I do love them describing Matthew Broderick's character and being like, he's a smart, lazy loner with no friends. He's the perfect candidate for Russian opera. (laughs) Which I feel like is the same thing nowadays when you see some of the 
online boards completely occupied by people who are probably too smart for their own good. Like Snowden. And uh, <laughs> have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how to swim. You know he wanted to take that to the grave. Like He didn't want to admit to the cool girl he doesn't know how to swim as a 17-year-old almost man. Mm-hmm. Regardless, three to four miles to the mainland... Sorry, girl, you're fucking drowning. In the dust. <laughs> you're drowning. Yeah. There's pterodactyls out there gonna nip at you. You're not making it. Yeah, you ain't making it. I love how she goes to take the shoe off. Like, what What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Sit down. Yeah. And then, what, you're gonna hoof it back to the the airport with no shoes on? Get out of here. What are you doing? She's cute. Was it just gas up there? Just... <laughs> Is she gonna D in Homac? I mean, come on. That's... Right, yeah, she does have to just gas. <laughs> so there is a sequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, good um, lord. It is, a, it is, again, like last week when we talked about Sandlot sequels. It's direct-to-DVD. Came out in the 2000s. I can't imagine it's good. It is written by the same people, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, same writer. So it's called War Games The Dead Code. Does anyone return? I don't believe so. Does Whopper return? Um, or is it like Big Mac? <laughs> yeah. They got to come up with a new yeah. fast food based pun. Uh, it doesn't look like it. I mean, there's some recognizable names, but nobody big. Like, not a. Nobody's like a big deal. Just like someone you would have seen in a thing once. Mm. You know, the people who populate <laughs> to DVD legacy sequels. But yeah, same writer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend seeking it out. I've never seen it, never had any desire to. It's another one of those of like, why? Well, what are you doing? You're yeah. just you're just making the same movie basically again, but in the 2000s, and I don't think you're gonna try very hard. No. <laughs> this did do well. I was gonna ask you, yeah. Yeah. So this this movie did do well. It grossed 80 million domestically. Wow. For 1983 is pretty good. Very um, good. It grossed 45 internationally, so a total take home of 124 and a half. The average rating on Rotten Tomatoes, as of according to Wikipedia, was seven and a half, which I feel like is a fair grade. Like it's nothing spectacular, mm-hmm. um, but it does do enough good things to make for a fun movie. To see, uh, yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four, calling it amazingly entertaining thriller and one of the best films so far this year, with a wonderful ending. Mm-hmm. So Ebert thought very highly of it. Uh, it was nominated for three Academy Awards: Best Cinematography, Best Sound. And writing screenplay written directly for the screen. It did not win, but it was nominated for all of those. Interesting. Yeah. It was nominated for the car crash. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like, did you write that in there? Is that in the script? Yeah. <laughs> That's gold. Cool. That's awesome. Did you Oscar mean to do worthy. that? No, Bridget, you like this a bit more. Do you think you would watch this again or show it to anybody else? Yeah. This to me feels like a great. You're babysitting kids who are not quite old enough for like a real like adult r-rated movie but they're not in the disney zone either mm-hmm. your 10 to 12 range i think it's perfect for because it feels more adult than it actually is yeah outside of the the general smoking cigars and taking that big hunk of red man snuff so we got snuff back to back weeks oh, yeah. yeah but yeah outside of that and the the gun with three bullets that you get upon checking into your job in the morning. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yeah, that's... I am assuming it's one for you, one for the guy coming in, and one for the other guy or something like that, or in case you miss. Because you need you need to take out at least one other person in the event of 
catastrophe, I guess. Because you need two people to turn the key, so if someone like barged in, you'd be like, well... It seemed like the guy was doing Russian roulette, though. Like, he pulled the trigger once, and it revolved around, nothing was there. Oh, I didn't think he pulled the trigger. He did, but he pulled it once. Did and he? Nothing, yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe that was just a warning. Because he knew where his bullets were. Maybe, up. yeah. Michael Manson. He was ready. Yeah. But yeah, this is what I was kind of talking about, where I feel like the range for in the before part where it's like, who is this movie for? It definitely feels like it's that pre-teen to teen yeah. range, where you can identify with the character. Like, you know a teenager's going to be like, damn, I wish I could change my grades. I wish I could hack the school. So I feel like it fits in that in that mold. Do you think that you would give this another shot, Johnny, at any point? If someone was like, dude, I love war games, let's watch war games. Uh, Probably not. Uh, I mean, I'll probably seek, like, clips out, like, the pterodactyl and the car <laughs> crash and other things that, like, will make me giggle and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to rank, like, over our time period, just, like, top great moments in not-so-great films. No, right. Well, I also think even the moments, like, in great films, like, where I was thinking about the, the kick and, uh, what was the movie, the Bruce Lee movie we watched? Oh, Enter the Dragon? Yeah. That kick. Yeah. Just, yeah, we'll come up with a list of, like, the best three-second clips <laughs> that we've of done, the series. That we've seen, yeah. yeah. It um, might take a bit more research of going back and, like, re-watching a lot of yeah. them. No, I mean, I, listen, I, I right, I didn't really care for the movie, but I would say there were a number of things that I liked about it, and frustratingly so, that I wished there were more of those moments or it stayed in Seattle longer or it was this or that, but... Fine. Do you think some of that is you were hoping they'd go back to Seattle and because it didn't pan out, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm disappointed. Whereas in a rewatch, you would know they're not going back to Seattle so you could get on board with what it is doing as opposed to like what you hope it will do for the remainder. I don't know how much of that played in I just, I, I think for me, is like I knew in the back of my mind that everything that's been going on is just the simulation doing its thing and it was never ever going to be a real world problem. So I never was in the head of any of the characters that it was going to be anything as such. Gotcha. So I was like, let's finish the game. <laughs> I wonder if the darker version would have helped in that where you would have thought, oh, there's no way it's going to become a real world problem. And then, oh my God, it did. I'm floored. The I way that it... Beneath ends with the the explosion and the nuclear whatever, where you're like, oh, it's not going to, they're not going to blow up everything. Oh my God, they blew up everything. <laughs> I think, like, one warhead hitting something that wasn't, like, a major city or something like that, like, like a warning shot, or, like, would add more. Or, like, a dogfight between, like, Something a, like that, yeah. I bet you if Top Gun had already come out, there would have been a dogfight. There would have been, we gotta scramble our jets over Alaska, and Russia would have been like, well, we gotta scramble our jets, and there would have been a quick dogfight, because, like, we gotta get it in. Oh, when we got those, that shot of those birds flying up real quick, whatever, the jets, I was like, danger zone, immediately. Yeah. yeah. I want it. I want, I want it. <laughs> Yeah, just a few years too early. Yeah. But, no, it's a good showcase for Matthew Broderick and uh, Sheedy, and I think, obviously, they were pegged for projects afterwards and more interesting projects and higher-profile projects that... Like of... Short Circuit? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ali Sheedy, I'm calling you back into service. So Short Circuit was after this? Yeah, it was yeah. like 87, okay. I think. Yeah. Or 86, something like that. It was a few years after. And Breakfast Club is when? 85, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, Short Circuit was 86. Uh, Ferris Bueller was like 84. Got it. No, that was also 86. And then Breakfast Club was 85. So. Got it. So yeah, a couple years away from them really taking off. But 
Yeah, they the director must have just been like, Ali Sheedy's good at following a thing around as it escapes the government. Well, she did it with Matthew Broderick. She can do it with the robot. Come on back, Ali. Yeah. We, we, could, we could do the same thing for you. Remember your character from War Games? Make it ten times more insufferable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah see, I would have liked if they were like on the run, like going to other places that had computers and like hacking in and yeah. like doing that instead of like being at NORAD like the entire time. Yeah. Being on the run. Would have been more fun, I think, yeah. going around Seattle. It certainly would have made it more of a thriller, which I feel like is what it wanted to go for. Because then you're like, oh shit, are they going to get, like, are they going to get killed? Are they going to get arrested? Are they yeah. going to, what's going to happen to these children who committed this crime? Right. And again, too, it would have been interesting for the government to just not know they were sort of like children the entire, like, running, like, they don't know who we're chasing. They're getting leads. It came from, like, this house in suburbia or what, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, all they know is it it came from a number that was dialed. Someone's clearly doing something, and it's close enough to where they're traveling. Yeah. That's all we know. Like, the dad gets arrested because it must be him because he's the adult in the house or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and for them to then find out, like, oh, shit, it's just a bunch of kids? Like, what are you doing? And then that's how you go off on the Falcon track or whatever. Yeah. So. Apparently, Falcon was, and I'm sure you could guess this, was based on, like, a Stephen Hawking type. Mm-hmm. Um where they wanted, and they actually wanted him to be in it. Again, I don't know how true this is because it's, you know, I'm DB trivia or whatever. Yeah. But he was like, no, because they'll they'll make a joke out of my disability. This was back before he was in lots of things. Yeah. And allowed his likeness to be used in a lot of things. I think this probably would have been very early on in the debilitating nature yeah. of the disease. So where he wasn't as comfortable as he was by the time he was doing like The Simpsons and Futurama and Mm-hmm. various big bang theory to mm-hmm. mention that you know but just like a guy who like knows a lot but is just he can't participate the same way i guess uh, and then they pivoted it to this like guy who lost a kid instead of a person who lost themselves essentially all right well any other last minute thoughts then before we uh, wrap things up for this week no i mean it was adorable parts and fun but yeah ultimately not a movie that i won't revisit but I'm glad I watched it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Bridget? I'll keep it in my back pocket for babysitting. Okay. <laughs> Camp Council. Yeah. Camp Counselor movie. Summer rainy day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Remember, you can also rate and review the show in-app on Apple Music and Spotify so there's no what you think of the show hopefully you enjoy it if you do make sure to tell a friend as well because that helps us grow the show and we greatly appreciate anyone who listens you can let us know on facebook and twitter what you think of the movie war games what are your favorite matthew broderick roles your favorite ali sheedy roles is this better than short circuit uh let us know <laughs> on facebook and twitter at broken clock pods uh, but once again for fine i'll watch it my name is adam i'm johnny i'm bridget and thanks so much for listening